It's a football podcast with Safa Dean. Go Gators. Go Evan McPherson. Tyler Dragon. I know I sound like first world problems right here, but it was very hot. Maybe I'm a little bit bougie. I'm sorry. And Josina Anderson. Are you speaking up because of financial security? Are you speaking up because you're fearlessly addressing what is unjust? Each week, our USA Today Sports Plus Insiders talk X's, analyze O's, and bring you behind the scenes. Exclusive, entertaining, insightful, because they know football. But what's it called? It's a football podcast. It's finally Super Bowl week. It's finally Super Bowl week. We got the last week of the NFL season upon us. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams will meet at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Uh, I'm really excited about the matchup. I know Tyler and Josina are also really excited about the matchup reporting live from L.A. too. Uh, Josina, what's going on, girl? What? How, how excited are you to be in L.A. this week? Well, I think it's a great blessing that the weather is great. Um, you know, there's no cloud in the sky, barely. There's no rain. It's a real, that's really what is, I feel like is hanging over me, that it's just the weather is just great. It's perfect, um, especially in comparison to when I was here three weeks ago or, you know, when it was, I, I think, the, I don't know, the first round of the playoffs, whatever game that was, that it was really cold, <laughs> unseasonably cold. Um, so I'm, I'm just thankful that it, it's like this, especially, you know, um, coming from the East coast and things like that. And then when it comes to the game, um, I do think that we're going to be in for a treat. Um, you know, it's like someone said to me who's connected to the Rams, you know, that the, you know, that they cannot sleep on the Bengals and you really have to appreciate the gauntlet of teams that Joe Burrow, um, really conquered just to get here from, you know, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Chiefs, they're, you know, the fact that they're coming in with house money, they have nothing to lose. And what what the image that stands in my mind when I think about the last game that they overcame in the AFC Championship was there was some late score and I seen Zach Taylor absolutely just flexes back like, yeah, you know, I mean, they were having the time of their life and they just, there was Hakuna Matata, no worries. And I feel like, you know, to a degree, you know, they're going to come into this game with that, especially if they can get some early success. And, you know, it's really going to be uh, an onus on the Rams not to show cracks like they have in a, a few of the second halves in the games leading up to this. Yeah, the weather out here is great. I think I was baking outside when Roger Goodell's press conference, it was in the mid 80s. I know I sound like first world problems right here, but it was very hot. And the press conference was outside, and you know that makeshift field at NFL. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm a little bit bougie. I'm sorry, but yes, the traffic was bad earlier. Tyler, and wow. anyway, it, was a little, Tyler. it was a little bit hot. It Tyler. was a little bit hot, mind you. I was wearing black, as you can see today. That was probably my first mistake in uh, 84 degrees. But one thing that you know jumped out to me about the press conference was. Roger Goodell got bombarded with questions about the lack of diversity um, at NFL head coach. And, you know, if, if there is racial um, injustices and in hiring practices. So that really jumped out, you know, at me at the press conference. And even um, the NFL uh, PA press conference, the same thing. The Morris Smith got, uh, you know, you know, 
flooded with questions about it. So, you know, that, you know, even though we were in the backdrop of SoFi Stadium and, you know, the Super Bowl is why we're all here, there's a real dark cloud, honestly, over the NFL and, you know, the lack of diversity all over the National Football League. Uh, pertaining to on the field, though, you can tell that, you know, it's bustling here. I am um, at the NFL Media Center at the USA Today booth. We have a booth right here. Now. Um, so there's a lot of NFL players walking around. As you can see, we got Matthew Judon. Um, but on the field, uh, as far as the Bengals and the Rams, you know, I, I feel what Joe Cena is saying. You know, Joe Burrow, his poise in the pocket and his decision-making, that has really been highlighted in this postseason. And he has really, you know, performed at a level that even surprised me. Think about it. He got hurt uh, midway through the season last year. So this is um, almost, I mean, he hasn't even played two full years, and he is already in the Super Bowl. Um, But he's going to have his hands full versus the Los Angeles Rams team. This is the best defensive line that he has probably faced in his career. And Aaron Donald is definitely the best defensive (laughs) tackle he's seen. So the Bengals are going to have their hands full. This Rams team, they're on a mission to win a Super Bowl at their home stadium. Yeah. Tyler, you touched on a bunch of topics, too. and I think we'll get into Roger Goodell a little bit earlier. I like the fact that you said it's a dark cloud in the NFL, and apparently so. I think that's what Brian Flores kind of intended with his his, uh, lawsuit and when his timing of it to kind of still be in the conversation. Um, two weeks after. But, you know, when I look more into this Bengals-Rams game, the obvious matchup to me that sticks out is Joe Burrow and that Bengals offensive line versus the Rams defensive line. You got Aaron Donald, who's the best player on the field. Um, You got Von Miller, who's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, still at his age, um, in a second trip to the Super Bowl after winning with the Broncos in 2015. Um, I think Leonard Floyd Floyd is, uh, you know, another edge rusher on that team who, I think he's going to be the X factor. I think if you're going to try to double up Von Miller, Aaron Donald, I think Leonard Floyd's going to eat a lot during this game. And, um, you know, I think this is the obvious, obvious matchup here. Um, The Bengals offensive line is not up to par with some of the best in the league. It's quite frankly, probably one of the worst in the league. Um, But when you look at Joe Burrow and I think Zach Taylor as a coach having two weeks to prepare for this game, I think the Bengals are going to have to do some really quick hitting things. Um, maybe some screen passes, some some change of direction things to kind of keep these Rams defensive linemen at bay. And I, and I really think Jamar Chase is going to have to have a huge game. I, I know Jalen Ramsey's called him out a little bit or, or let him know that he wants to blanket him as much as possible in this game. We'll see if Ramsey can still do it. You know, this age of his career, he's a couple years in, um, you know, compared to Chase as a rookie and, and by far, you know, going to be one of the more young and dynamic receivers in the NFL during his career. But um, I really think people are sleeping on the Bengals as well, Tyler, just like you said. And, and just like you said, Josine, I think, you know, the Bengals aren't here for, for no, you know, they're, they're here for a reason. I feel like you're, you know, casually picking the Bengals. I know we're going to get get on that later, but I, I think your pick is going to be an upset special. It could be something like that, Tyler. It could be something like that. We're going to tease to that a little bit later in the show. But, um, you know, I'm looking at the Rams team, and, and Josina, you could definitely chime in here. This is a, a team that's definitely stacked with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup at receivers. Um, you know, I, I spoke to Cam Akers and the, and the Rams team doctor. 
um, you know, after his miraculous recovery from an Achilles injury to be here for the Rams this point. And you look at the defense, Rams need Donald, Von Miller, um, so many stars on this team. And I think all these guys are looking for, most of them actually are looking for their first ring. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, um, you know, new energy, new money at the Super Bowl level and all that other stuff. Um, you know, sometimes what you don't know is good is bad. You know what I'm saying? Just all and how it plays out in terms of the inv- events unfolding at the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, a couple of things that I think are, you know, noteworthy right now, obviously, you know, with Odell and, um, you know, just the personal journey that he's taken to get here. Uh, Baby Watch is still going on, which I just think, you know, every time I just think about him, I just think, you know, he's just on this tremendous intersection of his life right now, um, which I just think is really, really, it's, you know, it's actually inspiring when I just think about everything that he's been through. Um, you know, I also doubted the uh, selection of coming to the Rams. He was absolutely 100% dead on correct about coming here. And he's got his baby coming at the same time and probably, you know, a time where he's felt the most acceptance and not probably he has. I mean, that's what he said, um, you know, and, and peace in his life. And it's just good to see in comparison to a lot of, you know, personal turmoil that he was going through. So, you know, I think that that's good. You know, it, it should give anybody who's gone through adversity hope that, you know, um, you keep your you know, mind in the right place. Um, you keep your self-confidence and belief high. And, you know, even when people are stacked against you or criticizing you, that you can come back from that. And I think even beyond that is, and I'll probably talk more about this on Super Bowl Sunday, um, when I kind of reflect back as to where I really think things changed for him. Um, I, you know, I just think, you know, his trip out of, out of the country, you know, when he, you know, did his personal spiritual retreat, I really think that's where it turned. You know, I, I think he and I will talk more about that as we get closer to the Super Bowl, just to kind of highlight that a little bit more. But um, I think that that's that. And then with Cooper Cup really quickly, um, and obviously flashed to the Bengals at some point too. But, um, you know, when I was looking at his uh, stats today, um and when you think about him being, I think, a third rounder and then having to go to Eastern Washington or something like that. Um, and then when he tore his ACL in 2018, um, he's been think he's been fighting with the chip on his shoulder for a very long time and having to fight his way back and fight his way back. And I, the more I really think about him I, uh, and when I listen to him, because I don't really know him like that really well. But the more I think about and look into his story, I'm like, I have a lot of respect for him. You know, he the the way he's made himself a, elite like that is purely self-made, and I got a ton of respect for that. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup had a field day versus the Bengals the last time these two teams faced each other in 2019 at Wembley Stadium. So I'm expecting him to have a big game as well as OBJ because the Bengals secondary can be had. I know their safeties are good, but their cornerbacks – uh, Chidobe Awuze, he's having a pretty good season. But Eli Apple, that's somebody that, you know, opposing offenses have picked on uh, this season. So, you know, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, they could have uh, really big games uh, for the Rams. And then as far as the Bengals, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Rams game plan and use, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey. Right, is he going to travel with uh, Jamar Chase? 
Is he going to, you know, stay on one side? That's going to be a, a something to watch because, you know, Jalen Ramsey, he's easily their best cornerback. And with him on the field, you probably want to, you know, contain Jamar Chase on the opposite end. But Joe Burrow has a lot of different weapons at his disposal. T. Higgins is a thousand yard receiver. Tyler Boyd has, you know, a thousand yard receiving yards and uh, multiple seasons in his career, not this year. So, you know, there's a lot of matchups, intriguing matchups in this game. But the biggest matchup and mismatch of them all, <laughs> we touched on it and everybody else has, is the Rams defensive line versus that Bengals <laughs> offensive line. I was one of the ones that was screaming for the Bengals to draft a tackle or offensive lineman in the first round of the 2021 draft. Mind you, Jamar Chase has made me be quiet. He has shut up all the naysayers Mm -hmm. because he's had an exceptional (laughs) season. But Joe Burrow was still sacked uh, NFL high 51 times, and he's been sacked (laughs) over 60 times this year. So that offensive line is still a problem, but Jamar Chase, he's kind of masked that issue because he's probably going to win NFL offense rookie of the year, but that line is still a problem. And then that Rams defensive line is legit. The best defensive line Mm -hmm. that the Bengals have faced all season. Tyler, uh, our our guest, uh, Matthew Jujan is going to give us a nice little insight on what he thought about the Jamar Chase pick later on in the show. Uh, But you're right. This is the matchup to watch is, is really how much can Joe Burrow, um, stay off his you-know-what and deliver the football. Um, he's going to have to depend on Jamar Chase. I think T. Higgins could have a huge game. Um, you know, you're talking about a 6'5 receiver who um, who used to be a basketball player. So when he's getting up there for the jump balls, um, you know, it's really hard to defend, and he usually brings him down most of the time. Uh, we also forget about Joe Mixon, Josina. I think, um, you know, the Bengals are going to try really hard to try to get the run game going and, and use the directions to kind of, uh, move the Rams defensive line uh, in every which way. So they kind of stay home a little bit, but we'll see how this game unfolds on Sunday. I know the uh, very important part of the show of, of the game on Sunday is not just the action on the field, but it's the commercials and kind of our favorite part, Josina is the halftime show too. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the halftime show. Um, so we're looking at Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. I think it's going to be some real California love out there uh, on the halftime show. Josina, which one of those artists are you probably most excited to see um, during the halftime show? Which artist? I think, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, diplomatic, but I think that all of them are just really special in their own right. You know what I'm saying? There are reasons why you want to mm-hmm. see Mary. There's so much of her music catalog that you just, you know, know and brings you back, you know, to the day. Eminem, you know, love him, appreciate him. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's his uh, his lyrical skills are just you know, you go back and you think about Renegade with Jay-Z and for him to come on Jay-Z's thing and just kill Jay-Z on his own thing was just, it's still <laughs> epic to this day. And every time I listen to so. that track, I'm just like, wow. I mean, he, he came on Jay's thing and, mm-hmm. and totally did that. And Kendrick Lamar is, you know, his, in his own bag. Snoop is such a character, you know, just a master, you know, um, it's analogous to, I guess, I don't know, Madonna in terms of how many times he's just remade himself. So I, I appreciate, I appreciate all of them. Matter of fact, their press conferences tomorrow at, you know, 10, but 
I wish that they would kind of allow a little bit more interaction with the media and things like that. So that's a little annoying. I don't know. Tyler, what are you looking forward to in the halftime show, man? I know you're going to be twisting your fingers and, um, you know, wearing dark blue and stuff during the show. Man, so (laughs) funny thing is, during the Roger Goodell press conference, they were actually doing like sound check for the halftime performance. Oh, so I was trying, yeah, I was trying to listen in to see. Because, you know, Kendrick Lamar might be having some new music coming out. So I'm trying to get that inside scoop. Um, I cannot wait for this, you know, Super Bowl halftime performance. Um, Kendrick Lamar is my favorite rapper alive. I don't know if y'all knew that. Tupac's my favorite rapper ever. But seeing my favorite rapper alive for the first time, I cannot wait. Snoop Dogg, a living legend. Eminem, Mm -hmm. Dre, they're all living legends. And Mary J, can't forget about Mary J. I know Josina has the Mary J dance. That's why I was trying to imitate. Uh, I cannot wait <laughs> for this halftime performance. It's going to be hard for me to work during halftime because I'm going to want to see what's There's going to be on no working. at halftime. There's no working during halftime at the Super Bowl. Okay, man. Well, no well, well, okay well, thank you because uh, I'm going to be you watching know? a halftime show. I might be uh, dancing. I ain't going to tell y'all what kind of dances. <laughs> I'm going to do, but, you know, being from the West Coast, having a West Coast flavor, halftime, I cannot wait. I can't wait. Yeah, that's definitely the intention there. You know, you look at Dr. Dre. He is a pioneer of hip-hop on the West Coast um, for all the things that he did with NWA and in the 90s um, before he put out the Chronic album, finding Snoop Dogg, discovering Snoop Dogg. Um, They really did take over the 90s together then. If that wasn't enough, he discovered Eminem as well in the early 2000s, um, you know, just to show his true greatness as as a producer and a hip hop um, pioneer. Um, you know, the Kendrick Lamar connection also is is one that Dr. Dre also helped discover him. And he's also, you know, from Compton, where Dr. Dre is from. He's a new age lyricist that'll help, you know, bring the younger crowd into the mix there. And then Mary J. Blige, I actually looked this up. Dr. Dre produced her number one record, uh, Family Affair. Um, so it feels like it will be some California love, some fa- family affair for the halftime show. I think we're all really, really excited to go watch it and see it um, all unfold on Sunday. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The macaroni and cheese, buddy. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, macaroni man. and cheese, buddy. Oh, look, at, look at this. Y'all, y'all all floating. Oh, y'all have macaroni and cheese last night. <laughs> oh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Oh. So yeah, this I'm glad is uh, your best USA friends, man. I'm glad your best friends, Joe, man. Josina Anderson, Saka, my two. Uh, What's up, man? I'm I'm recording a podcast right now. I'm pro mac and, and cheese all the way. Josina got like thirty podcasts. Yo. Yeah, Josina, she works. She like a hundred podcasts. <laughs> so let, let, me, let, let me get the. I'm not the important give person right Tyler, here. Tyler, so give him your headphones. Give him your headphones. Give him my headphones. Are you coming out of the regular? Can you hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many headphones you got? Okay, so first, Matt, I'm sorry. What's up, Judon? We're, we're, we're brothers because we don't like macaroni and cheese. So, can you explain to the fans why macaroni and cheese is so nasty? Because I explained to them, they don't believe me, but okay. let's hear from you. It's, it's just, it's really just cheese and noodles <laughs> and heavy cream. And you, you really just, you just, it's just all cow products besides the noodles. <laughs> the noodles just mixed together. And, and baked. Uh, it's, it's it sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. I don't know what you it's like very, very for comfort good. food, Matt. But uh, so you're not going to be eating macaroni <laughs> and cheese for like your Super Bowl pregame. No, you no, know, no. watching party meal. No, you're not no, going to eat that. Nope. 
And then, okay, all right, look. Macaroni and cheese, it always got to be with something. It's lobster mac, or mm-hmm. I, I make it with breadcrumbs, or I make it with this, I make it with jalapenos. I do that. <laughs> Everybody got something different on it because it's so nasty. They got to they gotta change. It's so nasty. Food. You add another ingredient, and you make it even better. No, oh. it's nasty. Okay, right, you don't, you don't, you don't be like, okay, I'm doing this to a lobster. You just cook the lobster or a steak. You don't be like, I'm doing this. Yes. I'm doing this to the steak. <laughs> Mac and cheese. You gotta add something to macaroni and cheese to make it good. Yeah. See, my my co-host, you know, we we have good taste. Exactly. I don't, I don't know, know what's about wrong. my co-host. What's wrong I mean, with they, they be in that macaroni and cheese. They probably be at the I toilet believe, too, right? Yeah, they yeah. be at the toilet. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe this and, was a and surprise. <laughs> Right, right after you eat it, you feel bloated. You feel yeah, disgusting, feel and that's why. And that's why you got to take a nap. I feel yeah, amazing. You got to take a nap because of the turkey, not for the not not for the mac but, and cheese. Not for the turkey. What? <laughs> yeah, turkey, you tired <laughs> all the time. It's not no carbs make you tired. Carbs give you energy. No, it's it's all that <laughs> cheese and dairy. Like oh, I'm bloated. I need to take a nap. <laughs> well, cheese is terrible for you. Get you out of here. What's your Super Bowl pick? Who do you like in this matchup? Uh, I like I like the Rams, but I think a lot of people sleeping on the Bengals. I think it's going to be a very good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but you know I don't know. That's why they play the game. You're very so familiar with the so Bengals the Rams? time with the Baltimore Ravens. So. I think. What do you think about Joe Burrow's progression? You know, from year one to year two. I think I think should. I honestly think Joe Burrow. All right, he was playing like that last year. He was playing this well last year. He just got injured. Yeah, I was yeah. so too. And then and and then they got him his favorite receiver. Yeah. Like the Bengals picking Jamar Chase was probably one of the best things they ever could have done. It's his favorite wide receiver. Like, why not get your main your main player one of their favorite things? Like you you know, like when a baby is crying. You get them their big ear. You get them their stuffed animal. You get them. You get them something to pump. Yeah. I love him the as same a, way. A, I love that pick for the same yeah, reason. Yeah, as, as a quarterback, as as your premier player, get him something of comfort. Mm-hmm. It's Jamar yeah, Chase. They still need to get that O line, but I'd rather have Jamar Chase to throw to than anybody you. else That's in that front. You're very familiar with the Bengals from yeah. your time with the Ravens. Uh, Pro Bowl player with the New England Patriots. You had a great season. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And Thank you. T- for tell the people why you're here again. Oh, I'm, I'm here supporting the Black uh, Women's Health Imperative. Uh, get early screening uh, for breast cancer and uh, all other illnesses. And then uh, we got a drop coming, a special announcement coming this Saturday uh, at 8 p.m. on Bounce TV. So y- y'all just stay in tune. But make sure y'all take care of yourself and keep up on your health. Thank you. Well, appreciate, appreciate it, Anti mac and cheese yeah, buddies. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, Look, okay. everybody, everybody that's eating macaroni and cheese had to stay home. Right. We over here in Hollywood. <laughs> we just had celery juice <laughs> and push it all out, so we ain't worried. <laughs> Let's uh let's switch gears to um Ro- to Roger Goodell's uh, press conference today, Tyler. I thought um you know Jim Trotter obviously had the question of the press conference, um, listing all the facts about um you know the number of minorities in uh, ownership positions. That was really more of a statement. 
understand the yeah. question. You know, naming the, the, the number of minority <laughs> um, uh, owners, none. Uh, you know, the number of head coaches is now up to three with Mike Tomlin, Mike McDaniel, and, excuse me, four, Robert Saleh, and there's missing, I'm missing one more, um, <clears throat> Ron Rivera, excuse me. Um, you know, the number of GMs, it's a handful now. Um, but still the, the number of, uh, you know, people in ownership and, and the number of people hired in these positions is still relatively low. And, and we're talking about, you know, black people and the effect that they had on the NFL for the last, what, 40, 50 years, 60 years even. So, um, Tyler, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Roger Goodell and, and even the, the Brian Flores angle of all of it. Um, today as well. Shout out to Jim Trotter for having the best question of the press conference, fellow HU Bison. I mean, man, he just laid out the facts. He was dropping knowledge and Roger Goodell, everybody knew that that was, you know, the question of the hour and the question of the press conference. But, you know, he, he Roger Goodell was saying, you know, all the right things. But unfortunately, he said the same thing last year. The NFL was in the same predicament last year, the uh-huh. year before that, the year before that. So year. it's like it's, the song <laughs> is on repeat. And mm-hmm. the, what I was really thinking about during the press conference is Roger Goodell is the voice of the owners. He's speaking for them. And um, Arthur Blank was sitting two rows in front of me. He was the only owner there. So it was like, why don't you get up and talk? Because you're <laughs> Roger Goodell, he's speaking for y'all, but y'all the ones that have the hiring power and you know the power to make decisions. So really, yes. you get you wearing your old Atlanta Falcon mask. Why don't you get up there and answer the question? Because y'all are the ones in the meeting. Y'all are the ones have hiring power, and that's what I want to say. And Jim Trotter alluded to that. He said the owners. I mean, since this is really a question for the owners, but since you're speaking for them and they hide behind you know, the wall and you're the scapegoat. This is the question. So that's what really struck me. And yeah. then during his answer, mind you, Arthur Blank is like 10 feet in front of me. I'm looking at Arthur Blank like this. And he just said, and I'm not trying to call him out because obviously there's a whole lot of other owners too. <laughs> but, too but at least he, he, he was there. Uh, Jerry Jones wasn't there. All the other owners wasn't there. Uh, Mike Brown, I'm sure is already here. He wasn't there. So still, This is a call out to all the owners because it's really them. And it's the same thing when I talked to, uh, you know, Warren Moon last week. He said, you know, the onus falls on owners. Roger Goodell can say all the good things. There's a lack of diversity in the NFL. You know, we have a problem, but the hiring power (laughs) is with them. They're the ones that have the ultimate decision. So, yes, I mean, it just it just seems like it's the same song on repeat. At the end of the day, there's still a problem. Mm-hmm. There's been a problem. And unless some of these owners make, you know, have a change in minds, change in hearts, we're going to be saying the same thing next year in Glendale, Arizona, where Super Bowl 57 is going to be. Roger Goodell is going to have a press conference <laughs> at what? The, the W in Scottsdale. Uh-huh. And we're going to be like, so um, the hiring cycle, uh, six coaches, six different coaches, Six white men got hired, mm-hmm. no black men. Uh, what's going on in 2022, <laughs> 2023? Uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's still a problem, <laughs> and we don't know. Uh, we're gonna try to change the Rooney rule, oh, Tyler. Tyler, it's I love it. I love it. It is, it really is. And you know, I, I get tired because it's just, it's just the same thing. And sorry for going on, tonight, no, no, but it's just an issue that 
it, it really bothers me because the NFL, we say it all the time, mm-hmm. has over 70% black players. And for them to only have five minority coaches is uh, an alarming, alarming issue. Yeah. It is an alarming issue. It's, it's really a shame. This goes back to something that I heard, um, you know, from, from somebody that I speak to a lot when I run into NFL circles and, you know, he said, you know, black people are, are, are really kind of disrespect, disrespected by the Rooney rule. Like black people have, uh, you know, they're, they're, the NFL has, has made so much money off, off their backs is what he said, you know, for so many years. And, and they need a rule to be satisfied for them to apply and, and interview for, for coaching jobs, things like that. You know, it's, it's really ridiculous. And the funny part I kind of took away from Roger Goodell's press conference on Wednesday, Tyler and Josina, was really that, you know, the, the, the question was raised about, you know, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross and the allegation from Brian Flores that um, Ross was going to offer him a hundred grand to lose games to tank the, the 2019 season. And then we're talking about the integrity of the game and this and that. And the question was brought up as, you know, could Steve Ross potentially be removed as an owner? And Goodell brought it up and said, you know, yeah, he could he could be removed as an owner, but the other owners have to vote on that. And that was so funny to me because are the owners going to vote out Stephen Ross for this? I highly doubt it. You know, they stick together um, through thick and thin and because they all want to protect their pockets and their investments here, too. And so Roger Goodell essentially put the onus on the owners to get rid of Ross and, and protect the integrity of the game instead of really having a, a real concrete statement to kind of stand on. The Denver Broncos, they're for sale and they need a new owner and Roger Goodell did indicate that there are some minority uh, owners in the running uh, to become the Denver Broncos owner Um, there's still a lot (laughs) of decision making and a lot of you know behind the scenes meeting to go and there's it's a long process but that was an interesting nugget from the press conference that they are considering minority candidates and there are multiple uh, black candidates in the running for um, ownership of the Denver Broncos per Roger Goodell. There's a, I, I think there's a, a lot to say. I won't be super long. I just wanted to say that one, I feel that um, it is, it's tragic that um, Brian Flores has to be a sacrificial lamb. And if I was at the press conference and I made a late decision not to go, mm-hmm. that's what I would have talked about. Um, I think I would have asked him, what do you make of this notion that just to get the NFL's attention about someone ringing the bell yeah. to point to the fact that something is wrong, that they, uh, that the common notion is expectation in a post Colin Kaepernick world is that they're expected to lose their job. Mm-hmm. That's extremely problematic. You know, the fear of speaking up, and I'm actually, I'm really tired of that. Yeah. You know, I'm really tired of the people that are on the frontier that are the ones that vocalize the issues, having to take the bullets. You know, it's tiring. <laughs> and I feel that for Brian Flores, you know what I'm saying? And 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 after him not getting the Texans job, um, you know, uh, and the Patriot ties that are in the building, even with the Patriot ties in the building, you know, um, not, you know, not getting the job. So I think, and then furthermore, that we talk with, that we speak it into existence when we talk about it as pundits, as critics, as media, oh, well, he's going to lose his job. Oh, you know, da, 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 da. And we just further reinforce that notion 
you know, that that's that. And, and it's just like, and cool, we just move on. And that's like a whole man's like losing his career, yo. And that's just like, that's really, or, you know, the fact that that's what people think or what might end up coming to be, I just, I just think is really, is really uh, tragic. And, you know, it's fun in games. And this person had the question of the press conference. And that's not what it's about, you know, not for me. So all of that is optics, you know, like you mentioned that I think Roger Goodell has been commissioner for 15 years. And, you know, we almost expect it to be the cliche press conference. And, you know, are, are we really holding their fire, you know, their feet to the fire? You know, I don't know what can be done as far as, you know, you're right, having a person of color in the press, you know, as an owner. But um, I don't know. Sometimes everything just feels like it's for sure. Yeah, I definitely feel, Josina, you know, unless there's one, at least one black owner and one person with a seat at the table, um, you know, I'm not sure how much else can be done. You're hoping for the white owners to also give, you know, black candidates a fair chance when it comes time for hiring. And also when it comes time for them actually holding the job before you even fire them. Um, you know, some coaches are getting three years. Some coaches are getting two. David Cully got one last year um, in a situation where we all kind of saw the writing on the wall and, and maybe felt, you know, he was just going to get one year even when he was hired. Um, and, and that's not great. That's what Brian Flores is really trying to stand on and hope the NFL opens its eyes to as a whole, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and really his lawsuit is the black cloud that kind of Tyler Dragon, uh, you know, mentioned earlier on the podcast here covering the NFL and, and um, you know, since it dropped during the senior bowl and on the first day of Black History Month. So um, we'll see how the Brian Flores lawsuit really takes shape. Uh, you know, I don't have any updates on it personally from if anybody else is going to join the class action lawsuit. Um, and also, you know, there's some things that, you know, have come out recent days of, of Lovey Smith's hiring and Brian Flores' comment after that saying, you know, it's a, it's a great step in the direction, but also, you know, I was a candidate for this job and I didn't get it. Um, and he th- thinks his lawsuit. And that's what I'm saying. And it's like, but that's a common pivot. And it, it, this conversation is, is like, I know we can already skip over, but it's really deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think unless you're, it, it, unless that's ever happened to you or you've been a part of that, like you don't get it. Not you. I'm talking about yeah, in yeah, general, yeah. everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, the, 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 the corporate pivot to kind of sweep it under the rug by, you know, the presence of another person of color, you know, how that quickly just helps to, in one way, de- not somewhat delegitimized, mm-hmm. but then also to just kind of accelerate and moving on. It's just wrong. It's just, it's very wrong. And I'm happy for Lovey Smith, especially I feel like it's a 360 moment for him with everything that went on in his departure for Tampa. I'm glad for that. I tweeted about that and saying, I think that this provides him a, um, you know, how, how life has a way of correcting itself for things that happen to you. And it, it's a shame that it had to take this long that he had to leave the NFL and go to the college game, come back, have a lesser position to get back. And he is, you know, he's had three head coaching jobs, which in and of itself is a statement, you know, in the NFL, you know, but uh, somebody also lost, a, you know, has lost a job too. Um, and it's not like he's old or he's in his fifties, yo. So, you know, just, just him having to go through that or the anger that has led to all of this happening yeah, you know, I feel for Brian Flores, too, and I feel like maybe this was, you know, I understand the intention of why he wanted to go scorched earth, but also, um, 
you know, I'm not sure if it was probably the right decision after all. Um, may, you know, maybe he could have waited a couple of days after he was a candidate for one of these jobs and maybe had a potential to maybe be hired from the Texans, you know, or the Saints. And then, you know, after he's hired, um, you know, he could have used his press conference to shed light on, on you know, the injustices he's faced or other coaches have faced. And, you know, maybe after he was hired again this cycle, maybe he could have dropped the lawsuit as well, too. And, um, you know, uh, you know, every team has kind of made their statement in defense of their allegations from Flores in the lawsuit. And, um, you know, I think I don't think this is going to get to a point where it gets into court and, and people are going to take the stand. Um, you know, the NFL usually settle things like this um, kind of behind closed doors. But Brian Flores, there's things that he wants to have changed that, you know, specific things like maybe, um, you know, uh, promoting uh, coaching salaries and GM salaries to show a difference there. Um, having third parties kind of being, um, you know, tabled for when coaches are hired and coaches are fired. Um, he's asking for more transparency across the board here. And um, I'm hoping that the, the, the purpose of this lawsuit and putting those changes in really takes light uh, and really kind of has some shape and does influence some change more so than Flores kind of, you know, you know, potentially not getting a job again in the NFL, which I hope is not the case. Yeah. And then the, even in the conversation that we had in our other show, just as far as the, you know, someone made um, a comment about, you know, the trust factor that was broken because he broadcast, you know, Belichick's texts and how that will, might also impact him getting a job again. And, and I'm trying to think, you know, well, how, how do you show the truth of what happens without showing the truth of what's happening? You know, and I get it because I'm an insider, you know, things that are, are discussed. I'm, I know not to be put on display, nor do I want anybody to be, you know, sharing what I'm saying in private to be, you know, uh, put out. Um, so, you know, I, I get that, too. Um, but I just think like it's it, it's all in the way that we talk about it, you know, too. Like the focus should be more on, you know, the, the so-called corruption of the process as opposed to the his revelation of the text been a good question to ask Roger Goodell and I'm kicking myself for not asking it and it's maybe you know apples to oranges but to me it's like you know why is the NBA considered more progressive than the NFL the NBA has 30 teams they have double digit head coaches they have already a black owner why is the NFL always lagging behind in that department I mean the NBA, what, 83% black players? NFL, what, 71? I mean, still the majority. So why is it always, it seems like the NBA is always leading the charge and being progressive. And the NFL, historically, as we're looking at it, is just lagging behind in that department as far as diversity hires, you know, hiring women too. It's not even just, you know, hiring black coaches, but mm -hmm. it just seems like always the two made out of the two major sport leagues, not even counting major league baseball, they got their own issues, <laughs> but the NBA and the NFL, those are the two most popular sports in America, but it is clear <laughs> who the more progressive league is. And it'll be interesting. It really interesting to see what his answer would have been. And I wish somebody or it me would have asked that. It's too bad you was listening to Kendrick Lamar during soundcheck. That's all. <laughs> well, I think that um, just to answer your question, uh, Tyler, I feel like that has to do with how um, more vocal the athletes are of the NBA. They, they speak yes. up for themselves a lot more. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as much as coaches have things to say or players have things to say, 
and my criticism of them, a lot of them have a lot to to say, but don't say it on the record. <laughs> There's a lot more yeah, people saying things on the record in the NBA. <laughs> mm-hmm. The NBA players have leverage because those contracts are guaranteed. NFL contracts are not guaranteed, and that kind of helps with the leverage thing too. But that's what illuminates character. Are you speaking up yes. because of financial security? Are you mm-hmm. speaking up because you're fearlessly addressing what is unjust? You see what I'm saying? I agree. And, I, I, and, yeah. and not that I don't understand. And we all trying to fight for our, you know, um, security. We all need to live. Lovey made, lovey made a business decision <laughs> <laughs> for himself. So, you know, it, his, his, somebody else's loss was his gain. And, and I, and I get that as well. But um, like I said, you know, those on the frontier, uh, you know, take the bullets and uh, there are people making change. And then there are people, um, what's the word I'm looking for? People making change and there are people benefiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Brian Flores, his hope here is that even though he might take the brunt of all of this, that others can benefit in the long run. And, and, you know, it, like Tyler said, it, we remain to, to kind of see it all unfold, but um we're just going to have to see. I, it's 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 one thing to know that change needs to happen. It's another thing to actually see the change come through. Um, and I don't think NFL owners are ready for that just yet as much as, you know, some of us are. So we have now got to the part of the podcast where we are talking about our predictions. And since it is the last mm. game of the season, we are obviously talking about the ultimate picks of the season. <laughs> so what does that start us off with? The Super Bowl winner, Tyler, who do you have? I think I'm still up on Soffit and the yearly picks. And, oh, wow. you know, the, the Bengals, they're a Cinderella team. I think they have a lot of heart. I really love the way Joe Burrow has progressed in his second year. But Aaron Donald is the best player on the field. That defensive line is legit. Like I said, the best D-line the Bengals have faced all season. I think Cooper Cup has a big game. I think OBJ is going to have a nice game getting covered by the Bengals' number two cornerback. L.A., I have wrote a column already. It's the city of champions. The Lakers won in 2020. The Dodgers won in 2020. It's time for the Rams to win a title. It's title town. I got the Los Angeles Rams winning 34-25. to 25. And the base better than L.A.'s. How much? 34-25. to 25. I thought, okay, good. I was going to ask. I thought you said 44. <laughs> wow. And the base better than that way. I, I thought you were going to say 44. 30, okay. 34 to 25. Oh, I like the score. Okay, look. And the base better than yeah, that Yeah, I, I don't know who keeps saying that, Tyler. You want to chime in on that a little bit more now since you're in L.A.? And, uh, and the base you know, better you're not. I think, Tyler, you should take your headphones off I'm, so everybody I'm trying else to go, I'm trying to go to Snoop's that. party, man. You can't be the, you can't. I'm trying to go to Snoop's party. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll make my pick for the game. Look, I think we all know the big matchup that, that's here in the game is the D-line for the Rams versus the uh, the poor O-line for the Bengals. I'll, I'll say a prayer for those guys, but I'm picking Joe Cool and the Bengals, man. I'm taking the Cinderella team. I'm taking the Bengals uh, 34-28 um, in this game. Uh, I'm just riding with Joe Burrow. I think Jamar Chase is going to get off at least one long, long touchdown. Uh, I'm going to tell you all my Super Bowl MVP in a little bit, but I'm picking the Bengals in this one. If you can beat the Chiefs twenty after being down 21-3 to in their house 
and stop Patrick Mahomes on six possessions to win the AFC title game, I'm going to take the Bengals in this one. I think the Bengals can be anybody. has been picking the Bengals ever since he tried Skyline Chili. I think he's done a number on him. I think it has too, man. That That's what Skyline Chili does, man. <laughs> All right, so what's the score, Safin? 34-28, Bengals. And Tyler? A close one, a close one. I have L.A. Rams 34-25, to 34-25. Mm. All right, and then finally, who is going to be the Super Bowl MVP, Tyler? <sighs> I mean – it's a quarterback-driven league. Mm-hmm. It's a quarterback-driven league. They always give it to the quarterback. Even sometimes I don't like them giving it to the quarterback. I think, you know, easily Aaron Donald could have a big game, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. But if Matthew Stafford throws for 300 yards right. and have two touchdowns, they go, let's give it to the quarterback. <laughs> so I got Matthew Stafford winning the MVP. I think – I and for my pick as well, you know, I picked the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow is going to be the obvious pick for MVP here. But I'm not picking him. I'm not picking him, Tyler. I think the MVP for the Bengals, if they win, is going to be Evan McPherson, the Bengals kicker. If he gets like four or five field goals, you got to give it to him. And he might hit the game-winning field goal in this game. That's why I'm picking 34. Evan McPherson, no bounds whatsoever. Go Gators, go Evan McPherson. This guy has yet to miss a field goal like all year. So, I mean, he's automatic, ice in his veins. Evan McPherson is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. I need to put my uh, bet on So, stop the way to bet on something that's not going to happen. So, there you go. That was just basically a waste of a pick. Good for you for doing that. I cannot Um, wait for all this to to happen. I can't wait for all this to happen. Um, You did accomplish you <laughs> literally not going to happen. Um, even if he has 10 made field goals in a row, they will not give it to That's him. 30 points. They'll probably still, you know, points. give it to the You're right. the quarterback You're right. You're for the right. play before the kick. Um, uh, but anyway, so we're going to toss it to producer uh, Emily, who's going to set us up on the next portion of this prediction segment. It's a Super Bowl show, so let's have some fun and, and we'll get Josina involved as well. And and I'm going to have to call Lance and try to figure out what the odds are on Evan McPherson because that hasn't happened in the 55 years yeah, of I the just Super looked it up. Bowl. I just looked it up. Literally no cookers ever whatever. I mean, you, you could get a big LB, payout. No. You could get a big payout. I'm going to hit up Lance for sure. <laughs> Speaking of Lance, he put out a, a story uh, earlier this week on USA Today Sports Plus. You can download the app or look online. It's just all about the fun prop bets because at the end of the day, it is just a game and we want to have a little bit of fun. So I want to throw three prop bets out to the three of you uh, and kind of get your take before we wrap it up here. So let's start off the national anthem. It's Mickey Guyton who is going to be singing the national anthem this Sunday, she has um, she's a country star, and she also has a history of singing the national anthem pretty quickly. Uh, the last time she sang it, she did it in a minute and twenty three seconds. So Lance has the over under set at one minute forty five seconds for the national anthem this year. Safed, why don't you kick it off? Are you taking the over or the under? I really wanted to take the over until you hit us with that big fact there, 120. That's 20 big seconds right there. I think national anthem, you might be a little nervous. A lot of people watching you. I'm going to go under. The over because this is her time to shine. I mean, 
to be quite frank, I had never heard of her until now. So <laughs> this is your time to shine. Go over, illuminate, show your voice. Don't <laughs> sing like Josina. Sing more like Beyonce or Mary J. <laughs> so this is her time to shine. Go two minutes. I'm going to take the under. Um, it, but I don't think it'll be under by much. I think that it'll just be under, but not under by much, because she'll still be in her her natural way of doing things. Um, but she will, you know, stretch out the moment for her fourteen seconds after a thing. I'm just gonna put it out there, Tyler. That's a risk. Twenty seconds is a long time to stretch that out, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll go to the next one here. Let's kick it to the halftime show. I know that we've got a lot of people on this podcast that are looking forward to it, have some opinions. We've got three songs out here, and you can throw in if you think it's gonna be a different one. But first song to be played at halftime. The next episode is at three to one. California love is at seven to two and Eminem's lose yourself is at nine to two. So uh, let's get to, well, no, we'll go. We'll stick in the same order. Safed of those, you like something there. You want to go a little rogue? No, I'm going rogue. I think it's gotta be nothing but a G thing. I think nothing but a G thing has got to be the first song played. Um, It's gotta be Trey and Snoop first. I love the next episode. That's probably like a nice transition to another song or, somebody else but i got nothing but a g thing and i just want a tupac hologram just give me that and kendrick lamar is singing humble or dna i know that for a fact mm-hmm. he is gonna have one of his uh his is probably gonna be humble but california love is gonna be played definitely um I, I can't even think of the name of a song right now. So something's going to be played first. I'm sorry. My my mind is a little bit frayed uh, for our, I mean, four trips to L.A. So I can't even, I, you know, I just have to hear it and say, yeah, that one, <laughs> because I just can't I just can't come up with it now. I'm sorry, um, you know, to come up with the name. So one of, one of something is going to be first. There you go. <laughs> All right. No worries on that one. Since we didn't go, we'll give a yes or no pick for this. I know I said three, but we're going to throw this in here. I might get some flack from our boss, Alicia, but Lance put it in his story. So I'm throwing it out here. Will any artist as Snoop has famously done before on broadcast boxing broadcasts smoke during the halftime show? Let me just tell you right now, the answer yes to that question is at a plus 400. So Safed, is it going to happen? Yeah, Snoop Dogg has to do what Snoop Dogg does. So I'm picking yes on that, and that probably is a safe bet as well. I mean, uh, to be politically correct, smoking what? I mean, are we smoking cigarettes? Are are we smoking hookah? I don't know what we're talking about. We're going with Lance's Lance's language. As long as he's smoking something, it's either yes at plus 400 well, or you're going with All, no. I, all plus 400 I would say are great is, odds is for that. weed is legal in California. So there you go. That's all I will say. And that's a, a yes, 100% yes, a hell of yes, and a hell to the yes. So that's the, <laughs> that's what I'm putting on it. <laughs> yes. Plus yeah, 400 odds? Go. Those are great odds. Yeah, that'll Ooh. balance out, uh, Safa, that'll balance out your Evan McPherson. Uh, mm. I might hit really big on Sunday. All right, let's finish up here with some celebration. The color of the liquid poured on the winning coach. Here's some odds. We've got orange at 2-1, to one, which is the favorite, over water, which 
I don't know if that's happened before at three to one. That's kind of lame. And blue energy drink at four to one. Safi, what color do you think it's going to be? It's red Gatorade, lemon lime Gatorade fan. I think it's going to be blue, though. I think it's going to be blue. Just kill some yellow Gatorade. Um, if the Rams win, I have them uh, pouring Gatorade, yellow Gatorade on Sean McVay. If the Bengals win, I have orange Gatorade on Zach Taylor. But obviously, I picked the Rams, so yellow Gatorade that I just downed. We're going to have to figure this out and see which team has what color Gatorade. That's important to know. What do you think, Josina? Um, I mean, you know, on one hand, you can have the color be in, in the team, you know, and all this other stuff. At the end of the day, though, I think, you know, guys go with what tastes good. You know what I'm saying? I don't really care about all that, you know, color matching our this and that. So I'm going to go with red. Red is the one that tastes the best. It's going to be red. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's just wrap it up here. Uh, it's been a great season of podcasts. And I, I, I do want to ask one more uh, Super Bowl question before we leave. We've, uh, I think Tyler's hit on it a lot, saying that picking the Bengals is picking the upset. But – I don't know if that is such an out there take. So the Bengals recently, they, they did a study on Twitter. So take that for what you will. The Los Angeles Times reported that 200,000 people voted in their Twitter poll with either the hashtag Rams or hashtag Bengals and 33 states came back favoriting the Bengals in this Super Bowl. So Think about it. I mean, you've got Matthew Stafford, who's inconsistent. He is a good quarterback, but he hasn't won in 13 years. And you've got a young shot, hot shot in Joe Burrow. You've got Jamar Chase. You know, who cares if he gets sacked nine times? He's going to throw 10. Um, is it really an underdog story for the Bengals? Or, you know, are they kind of the favorite going into technically a home game in LA? Yeah, I think it's an underdog story for the Bengals. I think people love Joe Burrow and, and his facade that he kind of gives off. But also a lot of people see teams like the Rams and see how loaded they are, and they just want to pick against the loaded team and, and, and pick the underdog. So I think that really has a lot to play in the conversation. Feel good, underdog, a team to win. The Rams have all these star talent. People just like the, you know, the – up-and-coming team that's defying all the odds. I mean, you can just – Josina was at SoFi Stadium in the NFC Championship game. Rams fans and 49ers fans were cheering for the Bengals to beat the Chiefs. So it's the underdog story. It's the narrative. And so that's why fans want to see the Bengals win. Yeah, and it'll just be the ultimate, you know, carpet ride, you know. And I, like I said, I just – I love – Zach Taylor's energy, and actually even more than that, I love the Bengals' patience with him. You know, that I, I don't remember the record last year. Was it what, what was the – but it wasn't good. <laughs> uh, Tyler, you might know that off the top of your head. Um, he was in two years, 2-14 and 14 his first season. He was 2-4, uh, what, 12-1 and one his second year? <laughs> yeah, something, yeah, something like, like that. that. So I just – I mean, you know, especially the microwave society that we're in now and everyone wants results instantly that, you know, I really feel like the NFL changed after 2011, 2012, after Andrew Luck and RG3, whereas, you know, there used to be a period in time where the NFL waited for quarterbacks to develop on the sideline for three uh, for three years before, you know, but now after Andrew Luck and RG3 and that generation, everything changed. They wanted they want it this year. They want it this year. And um and so to that end, all I'm saying is kudos to the Bengals for sticking with Zach when they had every reason to, outside of the ACL injury, mm -hmm. to pull away. 
And so, um, yeah, good for them. <laughs> yeah, we are very much in an instant gratification culture. Um, and teams and quarterbacks and coaches are dating much less time to have success. We'll see how the Bengals and Rams do on Sunday. And guys, we'll be back here again next week to re recap the Super Bowl and everything that happens during Super Bowl 56. I'm Safa Dean. That was Tyler Dragon and Josina Anderson. Thank you for listening. It's the Football Podcast. And be sure to download the USA Today Sports Plus app to follow along and fan harder with us. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. Saga.